Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Fantastic, Bruce. Fantastic. Great night to be alive. You know, a great season by the Oilers. Uh, couldn't get it done against them. Fantastic, brilliant hockey team who I hope wins the Stanley Cup. Led by a player, you know, who is a generational talent on defense, at least. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a defenseman this good in some time. Kale McCarr. Canadian, going to be on Team Canada one day with McDavid. I can't wait to see that. And um, mm-hmm. <coughs> overtime victory for the Avs, Bruce. Um, let's go to the grade A shots. What were they? I just tallied them up here. So we have the grade A shots at... 17 to 16 for the Avs. So this was a closer game for the Oilers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the five alarm shots were 11 to 8. So um, if you don't count the two grade A shots in overtime, both of them, um, five alarm shots, it was an even game in terms of grade A shots. So this was the Oilers' best game. Um, would have been nice if they won, but not to be, not to be. How are you doing? Oh, I'm at peace. You know, it was an exciting game. I thought they might pull off at least the one win, send the home fans and Ben home happy. And uh, they had a two, two, two goal leads in the third period, but they just couldn't <clears throat> couldn't get the stop or the you know the save or the or the uh, defensive stop. Uh, or frankly, very many breaks. There was a Colorado caught a couple of real big breaks tonight, and uh, they, you know, and they capitalized. And uh, you know, puck shot off a referee on the four three, and then uh, 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 I'm still trying to figure out what uh, Derek Ryan did wrong to get sent off for a penalty with the tie game, six minutes left, uh, 200 feet from anywhere, and then. Uh, and the overtime, you know, the high stick or what, not high stick, but anyway, the balance went Colorado's way and they capitalized. So, so it was really this entire series. All through this series, I was thinking, man, I wish the Oilers had traded for Arturi Lekkonen. Um, he is such a good hockey player, and I'm not exactly sure what. Uh, I got a little bit of a echo here, Bruce. Now we got no sound at all. He's a chicken chicken. Do you know what the owner or the abs gave up for Lekkonen? Let me just see. Trade. Second round pick. Nice pickup. He's a hell of a player. Justin Barron and a second round pick. Oh, okay. Barron was a he was a pretty good draft pick for them too, I think. So Yeah. They they paid for Lekkonen, but they sure did. Yeah. You know, this guy is uh, going to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second year in a row, eight playoff series in, in two years, and he was just what the doctor ordered on their second line. Really yeah. responsible, defensive player, real good forward checker, and, you know, a guy that's he's a complimentary player, and those work well on lines with actual stars, which uh, Colorado has, I mean, Mikko Rantanen, on that line, no longer do they have Nazem Kadri for the foreseeable future, but they still have, uh, uh, you know, 
Burkowski. That's a, still a pretty good line, even with the uh, loss of the of the center. And uh, Lickenden does his part, and uh, he did it to uh, perfection tonight with a goal and two assists, six shots on net, two takeaways. That's uh, Arturi's Lekkonen's uh, game in the uh, final of the series. Indeed. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Why don't you start it off with your good thing? What is it? Yeah, I'm going to tip the hat to uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, who uh, showed a remarkable amount of courage, I thought, in this game. And uh, we all know that he's been playing hurt throughout the playoffs. But tonight, was he's usually a pretty impassive uh, guy, you know. Uh, tonight you could uh, you could see the physical pain on his face a couple times in the game. This is very rare for Leon. I don't even recall ever seeing that from him. But he was in what appeared to be agony after he went down hard in the, the corner after one exchange and went to the bench and thinking, oh no, he's gone. All he did was get up and set up three more goals after you know at the time that happened. He already had one assist. He wound up this game with four primary assists or. He was the guy who passed directly to the goal scorer on three of them, and he was the guy who shot that uh, Zach Cassian cashed the rebound to give Oilers fans one last bit of pleasure and hope before it all came crashing down in overtime. Uh, but Leon played tonight on uh, uh, 25 minutes and 21 seconds. He played in this game, 13 and 6 on the dot. Four shots on net and uh, uh, dinged a post as well as that. And uh, I just thought he uh, he gave this team and these fans everything that he had. And uh, I got nothing for but respect for that. And uh, uh, ditto by uh, refraction to Darnell Nurse, who's played through a torn hip flexor for mm-hmm. all three rounds of the playoffs. And people can... Uh, question the decision of whether he should have been playing on the top pairing, but you cannot question his heart or his courage. And to me, that has value. It's not for everyone's uh, tastes, I guess, but uh, uh, guys who leave it all out there for their team are are, uh, okay in my books. Uh, But uh, uh, I'll specifically single out Leon. Uh, One person put it nicely. They said that Leon had more points in this game than functional limbs. (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much nails it yeah he um you know he he it was a really gutsy effort from Hanem and nurse Mm -hmm. and um there was a couple moments with brett kulak filling in for nurse beside cc and mckinnon ate him alive on a couple plays uh and the uh, i think it was both mckinnon both times it was mckinnon once maybe someone else Nope. Anyway, both, like both so, I dropped you a note in, the, in our, in our <clears throat> document yeah. saying maybe this is why the coaches were reluctant to put Kulak head on head against. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I had to give it to you, Bruce, because <laughs> maybe uh, maybe they knew something. I mean, Nurse was really had two really, really rough games in the yes, first. He did. But he had a pretty good game tonight. And yeah. so did Drysaddle. I mean, Drysaddle had some issues on defense too. Like they're they're just we're we're not mobile enough to really get it done. But man, his passing is spectacular, and some of the passes he made in this game were 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 wonderful. And 
Um, setting up Hyman, um, that cross ice pass to Hyman was a beautiful pass on the forehand. And uh, Leon, Leon, it was, you know, in, in the end, Bruce, the orders aren't going to win without dry saddle and nurse at a hundred percent. They're not going to beat the Avs, but mm-hmm. they, they're not in the end. I think like the decision to play them and play them as much as they did. I've been critical throughout the playoffs of it at times, but I, I get it. And I think it in the end was the right call. And tonight put a, I think put a, maybe not an exclamation mark on that, but certainly a period on that sentence. <clears throat> they really, their courage came through. Their gutsiness came through as players. And it was mm-hmm. kind of an, it was kind of an, it leaves kind of an under unforgettable feeling about these two players, mm-hmm. about their willingness to play through adversity. Yeah. And um, so kudos to them. And I'm okay with the decision in the end. I'm going to stop complaining about it. They, uh, you know, Dreisaitl was amazing on the attack again tonight. And uh, Darnell Nurse was, had a really strong and, and uh, hard, he played some hard hockey out there. So He's going to have to have surgery. And I wonder how long the recovery period is, whether it might even go into training camp or even the start of next season. Because we're already into June. I mean, I guess the good news here is we're only four months away from more Oilers hockey. But, uh, Maybe they bring back the Caroline Cowboy uh, mm-hmm. to cover for him for a while. You never <laughs> know. Well, they got Slater Cuckoo in for another year, I guess. Um, is he not under contract? So Yeah, well, we, we got two-year contracts up to yin-yang, David. We're going to have lots to talk yeah, about sure. in the offseason. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Bruce, my good thing. Keith, Mike Smith. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. My Anyways. good thing is um, Zach Hyman, who scored mm-hmm. two goals. Yeah. And uh, two, two really nice goals. Um, the first was um, set up by, a, I think it was Nurse who made the stretch pass um, to uh, Dreisaitl. Who, or is it to McDavid? I can't remember. Cause McDavid charges in there, takes two players with him, opens up the passing lane for Dreisaitl to hit Hyman. Yes. And Hyman has a breakaway and he scores. Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to get that great scoring chance. And we've seen this all year with Yesapuli Yarvi, Zach Cassian, and other players. It's one thing to get that chance. It's another thing to cash it in. And he cashed that in with a great backhand move. So then the next play, uh the next great play is um the the, the uh pass from Dreisidel um that he deposits with uh and and the key to that play is he just absolutely um uh, he absolutely just gets it off as soon as, he, as soon as he gets it. He just tries to harpoon that at net. And um, this is off a rush play for McDavid. His speed creates space, dry settle with the you know the horizontal dart. And then uh, I call Hyman the happy farmer. He just reminds me of a hardworking, dedicated farmer who perseveres every day. Who's out there working his hardest to, to, to uh, bring that crop in. And he harvested two goals tonight. Two very nice goals. He's been an excellent addition to the Edmonton Oilers, Bruce. I, I don't know. Um, Mark Spector made an interesting suggestion that Hyman could be switched to center before game three. And I don't know if in Toronto he's played that, but I actually think that as, as this team develops, that Hyman may be moved to center. Right? Mm-hmm. Being a, like he's a big guy. And I think he is defensively responsible and he's a smart player. So that might be, um, that might be one of the things we're going to see. As this thing goes ahead, of course they've got McLeod, Nugent Hopkins, Drysdale, and McDavid. They've got lots of options already at center. 
but some of those guys work pretty well on the wing as well. So anyway, that's we might see that going forward with the happy farmer. Yeah, I don't see a likely move to center. I mean, most of these guys that, you know, there's lots of guys who are listed as centers that don't necessarily play there that get moved to the wing. Very rarely does a guy who's listed as a winger, as Zach Hyman is, get moved to center. Didn't Holik? Hmm? Bobby Holik? Uh, I think he did some of both, but I think he was always considered to be, I mean, even, you know, guys like Marc Messier spent time on the wing and then got converted back to center, but it was back to his natural yeah, position. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll and maybe, maybe Hyman's played some center in the distant past, but I heard from some Leafs fans who said he never played center there. And okay. That was the whole rest of his career. Anyway, it was a, an interesting suggestion by Spectre out of the blue that, uh, they convert a player to a new position in the middle of a playoff series. But well, they were pretty good. it didn't happen. Yes. They yeah, it's best. not like things were going well. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah. I think I probably picked this as my good thing last game, but I got to go with the, tonight the penalty kill. Two, just two chances, and really you can extend it to all special teams, which lost their portion of the game tonight, two to one, despite Edmonton having five power plays to two for Colorado. First time in the series that Edmonton actually had the advantage in that department. Uh, and they did connect for, for one nice goal on a beauty snipe by McDavid. Uh, but the problem was that the penalty kill uh, twice uh, couldn't even get through a minute. And it was it was in the net. 53 seconds for uh, Kale McCarr to score through a massive screen on the first one. And I think they had the puck in Edmonton's end uh, I think the whole time, or certainly for an extended possession before the goal, and the Oilers weren't ever able to uh, to get the puck out. And then again on the uh, uh, the 5-4 goal that Rantanen scored. Um, and honestly, I thought they needed a save on that shot. It wasn't that tough. Uh, great of a position to be shooting from to be beating the goalie through the five hole but that's the same discussion we had on the winner last night or last game <clears throat> this one looked all set to be the winner on this uh, sort of semi-bogus power play that they got and <clears throat> fortunately the orders did answer and get that one back to take it to overtime but it still wound up being very costly that was the one I think this was the play where McCarr uh just won a battle along the boards with Hyman and was able to uh, keep the play alive at the blue line. It's hard, it's hard to remember because there were so many goals. That's Kale McCarr had five goal. points in this game. Five uh, points this, in this game. That the second yeah. goal? Oh, was it? Okay. Anyway, there was... Uh, Deflected in off CC. The one that bounced in off of CC. Yeah, they, they got a few bounces in the third. I didn't mention that one. But uh, anyway, that, the... Uh, uh, the power play, just the second one lasted 41 seconds, the second penalty kill. So both times they couldn't even get a, even a minute killed of the penalty. And the penalty kill failed. And when you're 0 for 2 in an overtime loss, that kind of stands out like a sore thumb as a unit that uh, didn't get the job done. Yep. That first one, I was mad at Cassie, and that was such a stupid penalty early in the game. Hitting the guy right on the hands in front of the ref. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And then he had a couple defensive 
bonehead plays, but he came he through in the end, Zach Cassie, and then he bounced play. back. He did. Bruce, my bad thing is this game, I think maybe for the first time this playoffs, well, maybe second, Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second game in the row, Bruce, um, where he led in a really big goal late in the third period in crunch time that was one he should have had. And um, last time it was JT Comfer coming mm-hmm. down the wing. This time I think it's Ranton who puts it in. Yep. And he just needs to stop it. Now, this 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 is the power play you were talking about that the Avs had with about um, less than six minutes left. And Ryan's penalty is like, I don't know, why are they calling that? What what are they? I guess they thought he was trying to slew foot the guy or something. It's it's just such a weird call late in a game. And nonetheless, the orders have got to, you know, you, they give up three goals, Bruce, when they had that lead. This was, this was another clear indication that the Avs were just on a different plane than the Oilers were in this series. <clears throat> but Mike Smith, he he had a very good playoff for the first two rounds. He was the better goalie in both of those um, rounds of play. He wasn't in this. He wasn't close to being the best goalie um, in this series. And uh, it cost the Oilers dearly. They needed Smith to be the best goalie, at least in every second game. And that didn't happen either. I don't think he was the best goalie in any of the games. So... I don't know. The first one was such a schmozzle. It's hard to know. It's hard to know who the best goalie was there. But well, he let him six goals in half the game, so it probably wasn't him. Yeah, maybe it was Koskinen. The second game, I thought he played yeah, pretty Koskinen well in the second game, but uh, <clears throat> um, buddy, there um, got the shutout. Yeah, uh, Fran Francois got the shutout, so it's hard to say the goalie that didn't get the shutout had the better game. And then the last two games in Edmonton. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's still, he got the Oilers to the, you know, at the start of the year, we were hoping they'd make the final, like the big question about the Oilers, I think at the start of the year, is, are they a top eight team in the NHL? I think that was a general discussion, you know, are the Oilers, have they slipped into that elite category of the top eight teams in the NHL? And, um, and then, you know, the general, the fear was they're not going to make the playoffs. And, of course, they did that largely in large part or in a big part because Mike Smith started to play so well. And he yeah. played well right through right through um, the whole playoffs. He didn't play that well in, against Colorado here. But mm-hmm. he's a big part of the order's success here that took them to the Final Four. I mean, there was in the, in the old days, Bruce, there was only – you only had to be better than five other teams to win the Stanley Cup until 1967. Well, the Oilers were better than – you know, they won their division. So, what is there, uh, eight teams in their division? Eight in the Pacific? Yes, it's eight yeah. in all the divisions. Now. Eight in all the divisions now, 32 teams. So, um, you know, in 1960, like that's the equivalent of winning the Stanley Cup in 1967. Hmm. They did that. They got to the Final Four um, in a 32-team league. This has been a hell of a good year for the Edmonton Oilers. Mike Smith was part of that. And um, but, you know, in the end, he 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 just wasn't good enough to piggyback this team. And neither was McDavid. As good as those players were in other series, mm-hmm. they weren't, you know, they just there was just too much to overcome everything that the Avs had in terms of brilliant puck moving defensemen forwards who could just attack the hell uh, out of this game. Like they're just they're fantastic. It's a, it's a fantastic team. There's no shame in losing to this team. Nonetheless, I was a bit disappointed in that goal when it happened. The 
the power play goal there by Rantanen. Yeah, you'd like to think you're not going to be leaking in any goals with the, with the game and series on the line. And really, those two go-ahead goals late in the third period in both these games were were not strong. Uh, Smith had an almost historic April. He was very good in May. June was not so kind. Yeah. That was all this series, of course, was uh, basically in June. So. It's been a long season. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Before the playoffs, people were saying, well, these two goalies, like, there's no way they're going to go with one goalie deep into the playoffs. Well, Mike Smith started 16 out of 16 playoff games, and he finished 14 of them. And that's an awful lot of hockey for a 40-year-old yeah. netminder. And maybe at the end he was starting to lose his edge. I don't know. I mean, he had... Uh, I mean, he was still on fire. He sure was pissed off at that ref that got in the way of his clearing shot on the 4-3. And uh, it was, that was bad luck. Oh. Uh, the panel was quick to blame Smith and, and exonerate the referee, which they seem to be very good at doing, uh, for being out of position. Saying, well, the goalie should be prepared for the fact the ref might be out of position. And, yeah, well, I guess you could do it different. Can't hear you. They were also there quick to name Kale. They were also quick to name Kale McCarr MVP for next season already. I mean, they'll do anything but give it to Connor McDavid. You know, they've already decided Austin Matthews in a historically bad decision, except except for the Taylor Hall decision. I mean, what's McDavid going to have to do to win the MVP anyway? That's a different well, issue. He's already got a couple. I'm not even too worried about the MVP anymore. I to tell the truth. I like so. my Edmonton Oilers superstars to win the MVP. All right, Bruce, let's move on to your number. What is your number? So, okay, here's, uh, I've got two numbers, 2.06 and 2.00. And these are points per game by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, I've called up NHL playoff records for every season. I went. I had to go all the way back to uh, 1990 before I could find a better one, the early 1990s. In 91-92, Mary Lemieux in his second Conn Smythe season uh, had 2.27 points per game, 34 points in 15 games. Uh, then this year is second and third. Connor McDavid, 33 points in 16 games for 2.06 points per game. Leon Dreisaitl, 32 points in 16 games for an even two points a game. Then fourth place on that list is Mario Lemieux in 1990-91, his first Conn Smythe season, when he had 44 points in 23 games for 1.91. And no other player in these three-plus decades has even made it to 1.8 points per game. And the Oilers this spring had two guys go deep into the playoffs and each averaged two-plus points per game. And I think that's a phenomenal feat over an extended period of time. Bruce, you, you took my number. Oh, we didn't go over. That's okay. We didn't go over the numbers beforehand. So I have the same number. Like it oh, is such no. a phenomenal thing. It's mm-hmm. such a huge, like, look at this, Bruce. There's a, there is a good chance Connor McDavid is going to win the scoring title in the playoffs and not play in the final round. And I don't know Maybe. the last time that happened. He has 33 points. The next guy, Mika Zibanad. Zibanejad yeah. has 24 points. So he is... He's nine, got a whole bunch of playoff games. 
conference final games to play. Mind you, they got to win the conference finals for yeah. him to have a serious shot well, at well, it. But, but it's he's possible. Like, yeah, he's getting 1.4 points per game. So, um, you know, we'll see. But he could win. He, he, could, he could win this thing, Bruce. It's and been Dreisaitl, done, but it's rare. One, Dreisaitl, I Joe, Joe Mullen did it one time. I think when oh, yeah. he was with St. Louis. I mean, there, there is, there is uh, you know, a couple of rare times where the one team just piled up the goals and didn't quite make it to the final. They always made it at least this far, of course. And, and uh, uh, yeah. Evander Kane has 13 goals. He leads the... Yes, he does. Uh, next guy has 11. That's Zabanajad and Nathan McKinnon <sighs> and Zach Hyman with 11 goals. Wow. Zach Hyman, Bruce, 11 goals and 16... Wow. So he's having a, he just had a great playoff and he's now won two playoff series mm-hmm. in NHL, which is more than all the series combined that he ever won in Toronto. So um, not a bad choice, Zach Hyman choosing Edmonton, I think. And many more to come, Bruce. And, you know, we're, we'll, we will be having a more extended podcast about right. looking at the Oilers in depth of the playoffs, what went right and what went wrong. And and then we'll have a series of podcasts, I'm sure, on um, the players moving forward. But overall, um, I I wasn't that worked up about tonight's game because I I've I kind of written off, you know, you know, I don't think others could come back. I hadn't given up all hope, but I enjoyed the game quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a very entertaining game, and I thought this has been a fantastic season for the Edmonton Oilers. So much has gone right. Uh, for the Oilers, Connor McDavid finally came through in just like the, the most explosive supernova way in these playoffs. Leon Draisaitl and Darnell Nurse again set a standard in courage in these playoffs. Um, this, this Oilers team, if if Draisaitl and Nurse had been healthy, it would have been like a titanic struggle against the Avs. I think. Um, I, I you know I just think that the power that they bring to the game, the force and the power they bring to the game would have had a huge impact in this series. And, and we won't know now. We don't know um, what, what would have happened. But I'm very positive about the Oilers. They got Dylan Holloway, Philip Robury, and uh, Xavier Borgo, three first-round draft picks on the way who are all mm-hmm. trending in the right direction, plus a number of other good young players. Um, Yamamoto played well. Hyman played really well. Um, we'll see. We'll just um, – CC Cody CC played very well in the, throughout the playoffs. So this is a this is a good team. There's questions in net. There's going to be yeah. some questions in net. Uh, Evan Bouchard stepped up in these playoffs. So you know, but there was so so many good positive up arrows from these playoffs that um, I'm pretty pretty darn satisfied. Especially com- when we compare it to Jan- or early February and Dave Tippett's last days when it looked like the Oilers might not play play the playoffs at all. So way to go, Edmonton Oilers. Way to go, Ken Holland. Way to go, Jay Woodcroft. Way to go, all these players. Great season. Eight out of ten. Yep, not quite the treasured ten out of ten yet, but you know how you get one of those. That's no, right. se- no secret how you get a ten out of ten for a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, any final thoughts or? Oh, <clears throat> at the Risk of being a whiner, I did not like Nathan McKinnon's hit on Zach Hyman in the third period tonight where he went knee on knee <clears throat> hard and through the check. And it seemed pretty obvious that he 
knew what was going on and Hyman went down and I feared he wouldn't get up but thankfully he did and I thought that was a little weak and <clears throat> uh, my, my wife people like my wife are saying you know I lost respect for Nathan McKinnon in that series and she doesn't really speak in those terms but there was a two or three like that slew foot on dry saddle and I said uh, in the previous thing that wasn't and then I closely watched the replay and I watched leg going forward hand going back dry saddle all right flipping up and boom oh maybe yeah anyway that anyway I mean he's playing hard he's playing to win I guess if Mark Messier was doing that you'd be saying it's all great right and I guess that's still the case but uh, anyway uh they're through, and I uh, let's put it this way: I sure have a ton of respect for D- Kale McCarr, who had a fantastic series and is a fantastic player. And, sure is. Uh, man, that shot he sifted through it—it's like a little funnel. You had a great end zone replay, and you could see the puck going all the way through this funnel and bar down in the net. And then I'm going, well, you can see that from the camera view, but the player himself is like five feet to one side and five feet above the puck. How can he sense exactly where that lane is to put it? But you put it there. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> wife Lily was my wife Lily was saying about McCarl. Like he looks like this baby faced kid, and then you look at the look in his eyes. He's just he's got that intensity, like that focus, like like McDavid does now, and he is a he is a monster hockey player. He yep. is he is incredible. Yep. And McKinnon's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. I just I wasn't a real fan of a couple of his tactics, but whatever. They were the better right. team, and they even they even uh, got the uh, uh, they got the uh, Campbell Conference Bowl, and they even touched the thing. So hopefully they'll put that old story to rest soon. There you go. Well, Bruce, it's been a fantastic season working with you. Um, the best Oilers season in a very, very long time. Um, it was good to have a season like this to beat the win the Battle of Alberta, and uh, better days ahead, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers. So thanks for talking all season long. Thanks for talking tonight. All right, podcast number ninety-eight, not counting the preseason. I think I was in on all ninety-eight of them. <laughs> I think you were, yeah. I missed a couple. So yeah, we yeah, not many, and we had uh, we had lots of good hockey to talk about, and uh, some pretty amazing feats along the way. So uh, lots uh, lots of grist for the mill to talk about, and lots of uh, good hockey to look forward to. Thanks again for talking tonight. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>